Chapter Twenty Four of the Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins. New Year's Eve. The old year was dying. Only a few hours, and a glad cry would go up welcoming the new. I'd spent the whole day with Shadow Loomis and Robbie Hood, trudging together through the snow-covered woods with a camera that Shadow had received as a Christmas gift, and which he was anxious to try out. The beautiful scenes presented by the trees hanging heavy with snow seemed to me worthy of a picture, and I was just as curious as Shadow to see how his camera would work. We had held our meeting early in the day, while the other boys had gone away to the sled track to try out Jerry Moore's new bobsled that he had received from Santa Claus. We three had spent the day taking pictures, and when it grew dark we went back to the clubhouse, and having all things necessary to develop the films, we followed instructions and went to work. You know, you must have a dark room to develop films. The clubhouse was fine at night and Shadow had a red lamp with a candle burning in it, and by its feeble light we mixed the chemicals and started to work. We had great success, and the pictures turned out wonderfully. We washed the films and hung them up to dry, and then they went up to my house with me. After supper we went back down to the clubhouse, where we were all going to wait for the new year to come. Imagine our surprise when, on opening the door, we saw one of the wall lamps lighted, and a boy sitting behind the stove, his feet resting on the fender. One glance, and I knew it was the boy with the scar, whom we had saved from Long Tom's gang on Christmas Eve. Excuse me, he said, jumping to his feet. I'm bold, I know, but I just had to come in. He had his big broad brim hat on, and it hid the upper part of his face, and I could see the curve of the red scar that circled around his chin. Shadow Loomis was angry. Listen, boy, he said, just because we helped you out, and any reason for you to come here and make your home in our clubhouse. How do you get that way? I'm sorry, said the boy with the scar. I'll be going. I wish he hesitated, and then without another word he bowed his head and went out. Queer chap, said Robbie Hood. Seems like he isn't as bad as Long Tom's fellows. Why didn't you let him sit there and get warm if you wanted to? Don't cost nothing. I don't like him, growled Shadow. But I was wondering what the boy with the scar had wanted to say when he stopped talking. I wanted to know just what he meant when he said, I wish. I would have liked to hear him tell what it was he wished. Because it was New Year's Eve, and darn if I don't feel like we ought to be nice and kind to everybody on such a night as that. But the other boys began coming in then, and the checkerboards were started, while Lou Hunter went to the organ and began playing his old favorite New Year's songs. Shadow and I went back into my little riding room, where we were going to print the pictures that we had taken that afternoon. We figured we could just finish the work before the bells and whistles started to bid goodbye to the old year, and then we could all have a celebration. We started to work, following the directions, and Dick Ferris and Lou Hunter were singing, Happy New Year, Smiling New Year, What Art Thou Bringing to Me? And all of a sudden there came such a pounding on the door that you would think somebody was trying to break it down. Perry Stokes ran to open it. And there on the porch stood two tall boys, much taller than any of us, 
and one of them I knew. It was Grimm. I could never mistake him. No, he was the tall boy whom I met one day last summer while we were camping, and I had knocked him out in a fair flat fight. He stepped in boldly. My name's Grimm, he said. I want to see Secretary Hawkins. That's me, I said, pushing my way through the boys till I stood before him. He smiled when he looked into my face, but I knew there was no reason for that smile. We don't want any company, Grimm, I said. He waved his hand toward his companion. That's Watts, he said. He's my partner. There were three of us tall boys with Long Tom. Long Tom was proud of us, I tell you, but we ain't got no more love for Long Tom. We cut loose from him tonight. We just come to tell you that. Maybe it don't make no difference. I don't know. But we come to tell you that. We got a gang of our own now. Watts and Grimm. That's us, and we aim to be fair and square, like he was. Like who was, I questioned. Like Pooley was, said Grimm. He was a fine fellow. And he cut loose, he did. And we stuck to Long Tom. But when the other one broke away, too, we just couldn't stand it. We liked them two kids. We did. Didn't we, Watts? I say we did, said Watts, in a low voice. Ain't been the same gang since Pooley and the other one cut loose. Who was the other one, I asked. Rags, Grimm answered. They called him Rags. Nobody ever knowed where he'd come from, but he had a scar on his face, and, ah, I broke in, the boy with the scar. Yeah, Grimm interrupted me. That's why we came here. We know all about Pooley coming and telling you that he cut loose from Long Tom. Now what we wants to know is where we can find Pooley and the boy with the scar. They ain't showed up for days and days, and we miss them, don't we, Watts? I say we do, said Watts in a low voice. For a minute there was silence. Then I shoved out my hand. Grim, I said, you're a fine fella. He took my hand and shook it. Nobody will stick to Long Tom, he said. His voice was barely a whisper, and he seemed pale and frightened. They all say he is bewitched. A lonely house... Yes, I said, go on. What about the lonely house? Strange things are going on up there, said Grimm. The one man's name who lives there is Lots, and he's got a partner named Sam. And they've been scared to death, too. What scared them, I asked. Something funny is going on in that house, said Watts, stepping forward. Things happen that shouldn't ought to happen. Things disappear, and nobody there but them two men. They had long time, and us get things for them, and... What we want to know, broke in Grimm, is where we can find Pooley and Rags again. We got to tell them we want to join the Knights of the Square Table again. We had good times, we did. I'm sorry, I said, but we boys don't know where to find Pooley or any of his friends. The two strange boys looked at one another, and I could see they were disappointed. I'm glad, though, I said, that you came and told us that you cut loose from Long Tom. I hope you will never have any reason to fight us boys again. Grimm nodded his head. Never again, he said. This is the last night of the old year. We turn over a new leaf tomorrow. Good night. And with that, then, they hurried out, and I closed the door. Before I did so, I glanced out and noticed that it had started snowing again. Of course, there was a lot of talk going on after they left. Our boys were sure now that the end of our troubles with Long Tom had come with the end of the year, and it made us happy, too, to know that now we had signed a peace with Pooley and his knights of the square table, and that Long Tom's gang was breaking up, so we would no longer have to worry about it. And I, too, felt happy over it. I could see the new year coming in with lots of promise for us boys in our little clubhouse. 
supposing we could have no more fights no more boys to be afraid of nothing more to worry about wouldn't it be a happy new year we went back and finished our pictures under the dull glow of the orange-shaded lantern then it came close to midnight and who should come in but good old doc waters i thought it would be best for a man to stay with you this late in the evening he said laughingly the judge and the sheriff said they might drop in too we were always glad to have doc and the judge too for that matter although we had to watch our p's and q's when he was around but it was new year's eve and the first whistle began to blow it was about quarter to twelve i guess a faint far-off sound a droning of a locomotive whistle beginning the mournful farewell to the dying year made us all hush somehow or other i always get to feeling sad myself when i hear the whistles blow on new year's eve i don't know why that is but most of our boys did too i think for it was so quiet that even that far-off whistle sounded plainly and then there came a step on the porch step 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 of course i thought it was the judge or the sheriff or both but it wasn't no before any of us could get to the door it swung open and long tom stood there long tom long and lanky stood there dressed in knee breeches and wool hose and heavy shoes he wore a sweater that came snug to his chin. A little knitted cap hit his ears. He was covered with snow. Across his shoulder he wore a bright yellow leather strap. He stood, resting on one foot, his other poised, his arms folded, his face as ugly as ever with his long curved nose and his eyes flashed as they caught sight of me. Well, he said, it's come to this at last. I'm here, Secretary Hawkins. Yeah, I said, you come late, Long Tom. He nodded better late than not at all he said there was a bitterness in his voice i see i'm done for there's no more use for me to waste time listen to those sounds do you hear those whistles and those bells the end of the old year i said nodding it's the end of long tom's gang he said smiling sadly it's the end hawkins i know what you think i know how you feel me and you've been fighting ever since stoner first brought me here he paused the whistles were blowing louder. I could hear the chimes now, beginning to play, and I glanced hurriedly around and saw that Lou Hunter was missing. He had scampered off a few minutes ago to play the musical bells in the church steeple. They gave me the shake, Hawkins. Long Tom was speaking. Every one. They liked Pooley better than me. Every one. When Grimm and Watts went, they all followed. I'm alone. I have no more gang. I'm going away. He paused again, looking at me. The sound of the whistles and bells came through the open door. You're going away, Long Tom? For good. I figured it out a week ago. I didn't want to go, but I've got to go, Hawkins. I'm all alone. Time was when Stoner and Harkinson and the others were here to give me a lift, but now... I shook my head. The old year's going, Long Tom, I said. Why not let all your past go with it? Make up your mind. My mind's made up, he interrupted. I thought you'd be the one who was gladdest to know i am i said warmly believe me but he held up his right hand one second he said then he tugged hard at the bright strap that hung across his shoulder in another second he had pulled forth the old brass horn he detached it from the strap this came from you he said i give it back and now i took the horn he turned to go but at the door he stopped for a moment he stood his eyes turned toward the floor then he swiftly turned and faced me Next time you see me, he said, maybe you will have a good word for Long Tom. Then he was gone. 
I sprang forward to hold him, to tell him on this gladsome night that right now I had a good word for anybody who would turn over a new leaf on New Year's Eve. But he was gone, only the snowflakes coming down through the light from the door. How the whistles screamed, how the bells chimed out. Doc Waters stepped up to me. Hawkins, he said, I think Judge Granberry had a party at his house and won't be able to get down here. Suppose we lock up the clubhouse and go up and pay a New Year's visit to the judge. Which we did. End of chapter 24